Raising finance for any business, whether it be for an upgrade or expansion, can be fraught. It could be argued that for cooperatives, it can be even more taxing. Hello, I'm Melina Morrison, CEO of the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals, or BCCM, and this is the latest in our Meet the Co-op Farmers series of podcasts. Traditionally, cooperatives look to their members and their community for financing. However, Michael Kavanagh has taken a look at how they're looking at other avenues to go down, such as how a company called Syndex works in that field. Melina, Syndex is in the area of high tech. Now, they're providing support not just in financing, but also how operations such as cooperatives need to adapt to the changing world of business and the use of high tech, even down to such things as hacking. And I chatted to Syndex's Kate Haig. So Syndex is a cloud-based technology platform and we provide uh, a host of different uh, solutions for cooperatives and private companies and that includes things like unit registry management for cooperatives, communications and reporting, we do automated dividends or rebates for co-ops and their members and entire, that entire back office management and communications function, you know, we really manage it out from one sort of platform. And specifically for co-ops, which are usually allied with uh, the image of working with farmer groups or farm co-ops, whether it be a dairy co-op or an almond co-op, but you've also got the mutuals and its growth. What do you do that would be possibly different than the back office service that you provide for, say, a public or private company? Well, it's a good question, Michael. What happened was, you know, Syndex got started about eight years ago in New Zealand. Initially, we were actually set up to service, you know, basically property companies, property syndicators, which is a big sector in New Zealand. Very quickly thereafter, we we had a couple of cooperative clients in New Zealand come on board and we adapted what we provided to the co-op sector and since then, we've done it even more so for Australian cooperatives. So what we've done is basically tailor our platform offering to the co-op sector in the sense of, you know, the way we calculate and pay rebates to members, the way we manage unit registry on behalf of cooperatives. We do things like ATO tax reporting for some of our co-op clients. We manage um, reporting. So cooperatives, just like any other company, have, have performance type reporting that they provide to their board and and sometimes to members and we also provide things like a member login and portal where members can come in and have a look at their overall position in the cooperative what the current value of their units is and find all their past communications from that co-op between the two. Coming out of New Zealand a long tradition in co-ops particularly in the dairy sector and overall in the primary production area is it just been a matter of transferring what Syndex has been doing for the Kiwis to Australian co-ops and mutuals? No, so Michael, each co-op is is quite unique. So I suppose the, the Australian regime is similar to New Zealand. So we've been able to take what our core offering was, but then we've adapted it. So when we worked our initial pilot with uh, BCCM and our first client in the cooperative sector in Australia was Yenda. Um, Yenda is a farmers cooperative, farmers 
produce and service cooperative in New South Wales and Victoria. So we took our initial uh, kind of overall offering, which is communications, reporting, rebates and unit registry management, and, you know, we enhanced that. So we built a number of bespoke features for them, which included things like the ATO reporting. They have, for example, members that come in and use their stores and buy a whole host of different farming producer and more and we basically got that what they call point of sale data which is the the sales data that comes out of their stores and we we created a whole bespoke functionality for them which which basically takes the sales data and transfers that into um, what that means for individual members unit holdings. Now you're doing it for co-ops and there's also the mutuals but a lot of mutuals have got financial background and their financial services. Do you provide, therefore, the same service or, in fact, would you find that a lot of what you offer are not required by mutuals? Well, it's a good question, Michael, but we actually at this point don't have any mutual clients. We'd certainly like to, um, and I think that there's probably a lot of crossover. We could certainly take what we offer to either, you know, the cooperatives we work with currently and or, you know, very large clients like, say, fund managers and apply that equally to the the mutuals sector. I think there's, you know, really we've got the core capability in our technology, in what we provide, so it's just a matter of kind of tailoring it accordingly. Now, you talked about uh, coming out of New Zealand and massive uh, dairy co-op like Fonterra and uh, then we've got large and usually dairy and uh, meat co-ops in Australia, such things as Norco and Casino, big primary production co-ops. And then there's the smaller ones that are emerging, particularly on the horticultural side. Is it just a matter then of applying what you do for a large one as opposed to a small where there may be only a handful of members and shareholders? No, so Michael, it's a, it's a, a little different, obviously. So we do, well, we, we have our core functionality, which is available to all of our clients. But I suppose really it comes down to the client as to how much of that function, functionality they actually need to use or want to use. So for a smaller, say, in your example, horticulture-based uh, cooperative with lesser members, they may not pay a rebate for a number of years to their members. So they might not need that rebate functionality uh, until sometime down the track, but it's good to know that it's there for when they do need to pay a rebate, you know, perhaps five to seven years after getting started. And, uh, you know, the unit registry is perhaps basic at, at the beginning. So, you know, really we find in a lot of cases our biggest competitor is Excel. So a lot of even big co-ops are, are running off Excel or derivation thereof. And so we think that, you know, having your unit registry on a system like ours from the get-go is obviously advisable, uh, works a lot better. It's a, it just takes out a whole lot of manual time and uh, room for manual error, uh, key man risk, et cetera. And, you know, there's there's other functionality that, that a smaller co-op might, might not use till they get further into their years of um, operation, but they'll certainly use it down the track is what we found. Now, you were mentioning how shareholders, they can log in, they can have a look at how the uh, operation is going. So it would show basically what a, a, a real-time balance sheet. 
Yeah, it is very much like a real-time balance sheet. So for, for a shareholder of, say, for example, we've got clients that are fund managers, as a shareholder of a fund manager, you can log in and see what your current position is. In You might be invested in several different funds of this fund manager in a co-op. Usually you just have the, the one position, you know, number of units held in one entity. Having said that, we actually have co-ops that have, you know, members that hold their units in several different entities. And when I say entities, it could be that they hold, you know, 20% of their units in a self-managed super fund and they might hold, you know, another, I don't know, 30% in a trust, family trust, and the, and the remainder in a, in a private company, for example. The platform is set up to cater to all of that. And so therefore, does it allow, let's just use a dairy co-op, for example, and they've got, got their shares and uh, dairy is an industry where you are starting to get some young people coming into it, but there is also a large group of older dairy farmers with their shares. Does it allow, if not share trading, does it make it easier for one shareholder to possibly either sell or in fact want to purchase more? Absolutely, it does both of those. So what Syndex provides is obviously what I've talked to most thus far is our core offering around, um, you know, the the sort of reporting, communications, rebate functionality and unit registry. But we also have, to your point, functionality that's built around a secondary market. And when I say secondary market, that's exactly to, the, to your question, which allows your existing members to trade amongst themselves. So it's a closed marketplace. So you have you know, members who might be retiring or you know, perhaps they've sold the farm, et cetera, they just, they wanna, or they might want to transfer for their units from their own you know, self-managed super fund or, or trust to, to family members. And that secondary market allows for all of that in a really seamless and, and automatically updated fashion. That would be attractive in some ways to very much the traditional co-ops because there's always that fear of uh, the ownership going outside, whether they be dairy farmers or macadamia farmers, and therefore there's that danger of someone coming in purely to buy and, and uh, trade and lose that clear identity with the community. Yeah, I think you're right, Michael. It, it is useful. We have had some good feedback about that because it. Um, I think it's it's a strong function for retaining ownership. You know, retention of members and and seeing that the you know that history of the cooperative is passed down. It does beg the question, or it does. I've, I've always got this great image of particularly the centuries-old co-ops that may have started with eight dairy farmers coming together or beef producers. The back office, as you say, is um, you look at the bookshelves behind the bookkeeper and there's shoe boxes and there's receipts and things like that. And then when that generation moves on, they take a lot of what is actually intellectual property. They don't steal it or anything. It just goes out the door when they leave. Does this counter that problem? Absolutely. That's one of our biggest selling points, I have to say. And when we um, met with Yenda, which, you know, was our first cooperative we worked with through the BCCM pilot program, the trigger point for Yenda, uh, which is a very large cooperative with, you know, thousand members, they had really one person in the business who had been in charge of all of their, um, you could say IT, but also member management back office for many, many years. 
and you know he was due to retire and so when we did our discovery session with them in the very beginning we said what kind of problems are you looking to solve for in your business and they really they they sort of set that out and saying well we have one person who understands this bespoke kind of IT function that he built maybe 20 years ago so automatically you know they've got you know they're dealing with older technology and then they had key man risk because that person was going to retire and inevitably um, take a lot of that knowledge with them even though of course they wouldn't they wouldn't want to do that but it's just the way those things work especially when they've built um, or been part of building that older technology that's still in place. So to make sure that there's always the problem whenever you move into more sophisticated technology, it does boil down to the information that's been fed into the system. Do you still leave that up to the bookkeeper that's been with the horticulture co-op for 20 years or do you just hand them over a program that does it for them? No, so generally our um, offering is basically to to take all of your existing information, your data, a lot of that is obviously member-specific data, and to to do a project where we cleanse the data. And when I say cleanse it, it's also looking at what's missing um, in terms of member information that might not be there. And often that is the case, that there's a lot of, you know, old email addresses, old um, old bank accounts or um, just old, old information that no longer is, is current. And so we go through all of that data. We sort of match the data to our own, to Syndex's own sort of fields and columns and so on. And then we onboard that data ourselves and our team really does that project end to end. We do have an offering where, you know, for um, some cooperatives that believe their data is in better shape or they want to do the data cleansing themselves, of course, that's that's an option, but not many clients tend to go for that. I'm Michael Kavner, and this is part of the Meet the Farmer podcast for the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals, or BCCM. Kate Hargie is the Country Manager for Syndex Australia. Now, normally, yes, we'd be talking to co-ops themselves or the farmers, but in Kate's case, it's uh, more looking at, uh, I suppose, bringing companies up to speed into cyber and uh, the use of technology to just to make everything from share trading to bookkeeping just that more sophisticated and efficient. I mentioned the part cyber, Kate, and um, in recent times, we've heard about cyber security, cyber hacking, these sorts of things. Again, the traditionalists in the co-ops, how much of hacking and cybersecurity is there a need for? You're going to say there's obviously a need because of it's a business for you, but what does it actually bring, you know, the Norcos of the world or Armand Co's or uh, the uh, beef co-ops? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Michael. So... I think, first of all, cybersecurity needs to be front of mind for any company, any cooperative in the world today, not just in Australia, anywhere. And I think the obvious reason for that is what we saw happen last year with companies like Medibank and Optus and even Woolworths and so on, where you saw just enormous value wiped out from those companies in a matter of hours for those that are publicly listed. But, you know, really what it is, is it's a complete erosion of trust for the clients of those companies where you've had personal information, you know, basically hacked and 
I think that um, what's what's happened as a off right off the back of that is there's changes that are imminent in the privacy laws in Australia. So that legislation is is coming right on the forefront where we're on the forefront of that legislative change right now. And what that means is that it's going to be far, far more onerous for companies how they collect their uh, client information and, and collate that client information and how secure it is when they hold, hold that information. So, you know, I read a quote last year when everything was happening with the Medibank hack and it was a quote I think that came potentially from, from one of the ministers at the time but certainly it was someone closely involved in one of these cases and it basically said that uh, client data was once gold and it's now considered to be like asbestos or can be. So that is the case in our minds for having a very secure cloud-based technology platform that manages your client information. Look, we, we've always been across it and we've, you know, we've been providing this service for over eight years to cooperatives and, and private companies. But I think that if you weren't aware of it before, then certainly, you know, at the end of last year with all of those cyber attacks and then this year with what's happening with the change in legislation, you certainly should be now. I think on top of that, what we're looking at is, you know, a total change to um, the onus on directors of boards and that applies equally to cooperatives. So you have liability, you know, personal liability that applies if, if you don't have a secure system in place and you, and you haven't reported to the board adequately and, and have policies and procedures around cybersecurity. Kate, we've looked at uh, the larger co-ops, whether it be beef, and dairy and we've mentioned the growth in horticulture that's still quite a niche area is there a naivety that you've got to deal with even with a large co-ops with individual owners not really understanding cyber security yeah michael i think that's right i think you know any company today as i said earlier is, is really at risk from a cyber cyber security point of view and because of the changes to privacy legislation in Australia, you know, everyone really needs to be adhering to that much, much higher onus in how you collect, collate and store client information, whether you're a small business, a small co-op or a very large one. Equally, it applies to all. And, you know, the increasing number of cyber threats that, that you see really means that um, it's an actual absolute imperative uh, to have, you know, your, your client data stored on a secure cloud-based platform, whether, you know, whatever it is, it really um, is something that, that, you know, you can't avoid doing in, in today's environment. The other thing that uh, strikes me is co-ops, whether it be large or small, really much prefer for any financing, any capital raising to be done within. Now, with Syndex and the fact that they can see how the operation is, is travelling financially almost in real time, does that make it easier or harder for a co-op that wants to raise finance, you know, whether it be for expansion or just uh, up, upgrading, where does Syndex fall into that sort of area? Well, Michael, what, what we offer is um, bespoke capital raising and we do that for all of our clients, um, whether it is for, you know, as we said earlier, we work with fund managers and, and private private businesses, but we also offer it 
for cooperatives. So we have um, a couple of ways we raise capital in New Zealand. We have a what we call a primary markets uh, platform, which we raise capital through through Syndex um, subscribers that are high net worth individuals. And, you know, in Australia, what we would do is through the use of cooperative capital units, um, CCUs, we would go to the broader market and basically, depending on the size of the capital raise, try to do that through probably our private networks working with our capital raise partners. So it really depends on the size of the capital raise, but there are, suffice to say, increasing numbers of interested investors in getting into what we call um, impact investment. So impact investment can, you know, really fall into the cooperative space depending on on what sector it's in and depend, depending on what the cooperative actually does. Kate Hargy is my guest on Meet the Farmer podcast with the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals or BCCM. I'm Michael Kavanagh and Kate is the Australian Country Manager of Syndex. Kate, we've talked about capital and capital raising and if you do have to go out into the market for financing for a co-op, some projects, particularly in the area of primary production or we're seeing the growth of wind farms, for example, they're a really long-term investment a long time before anyone's going to get a a return farmers can be a little bit patient there but if you're raising capital and you've got someone coming in from outside and you've got to point out that this is going to be very much long term again what would syndex role be there it's a good question michael so you know the role in capital raising is it's really incumbent on the the party that's doing the capital raise to match appropriately match the capital to the investment and the group that's raising the capital and in the case you know that you raise of say a cooperative that is in the ag space primary production and or building wind farms alternative energy and so on that would be something we would work with the cooperative on and we would do a capital raise working with our um, corporate advisory and capital raise partners. We would go to the private network and in my mind, because you're looking for patient capital with both ag and um, with those alternate energy projects, you would look for a an investment partner that potentially has an interest, well, obviously has an interest in those underlying sort of sectors and thematics around agriculture and or prim- primary production and also in alternative energy if that's the project you're raising for. Um, some of those could be endowment funds. They could be either in the insurance sector. They could be um, private sort of family office groups. Um, they're really groups that would, in in some of those cases, they might be interested in and have a mandate in what we call impact investing, which is really deploying money into an area that they, you know, they they care about and and is part of that endowment fund, for example. So if um, that's the case, like that's really our job um, to do the capital raise to go out and find the appropriate investment partner that's in it for the long term that does have the capital the um, capacity to to put that money to work for, as you say, it might be a seven or eight year period or even longer, and to wait for that return. And that might be a very very different type of investor that you would than you would get ordinarily through through other channels. Co-ops seem to be enjoying a bit of a resurgence. Partly, it's, the view is possibly because of COVID, uh, shop locally, those sort of. Uh, issues that are driving them and then co-ops would have its shareholders where they have to 
spend so much or that many times per fiscal year. Are you finding that there are investors showing interest in co-ops, looking for co-ops that possibly a need some finance and the way they're structured enables that finance to come in from outside? Yeah, I think that's right, Michael. So there's a much greater appreciation of cooperatives in the sense that, you know, the, the founding principle of cooperatives is often very closely aligned with what we call the ESG sector, which stands for environmental social governance. And ESG or environmental social governance investing has had a huge resurgence or, or growth um, in the last 10 years. So you're seeing a, you know increasing number of what we'd call institutional sophisticated investors wanting to invest in that way. And right on the forefront of that is, for, for example, is you know your large super funds in Australia that have got ESG mandates or they're entirely ESG. So, you know, examples might be Aware, Super, Australian Ethical and so on. And so there's a greater interest from, you know, groups like this or, you know, at the smaller end like a family office or an endowment fund to want to to invest along those kind of ESG principles. And so there is greater interest, I think, and it definitely depends on the individual co-op and what they're involved in, what their sort of primary activity is. But certainly where we see cooperatives that are in, um, for example, community energy, alternative energy, there's much greater interest in, in, you know, getting involved in that sector and equally in cooperative farming. Yeah, we've seen the growth, as you say, like in the wind farms and the way that uh, wind farm operators have come in collectively to smaller communities and working with both. And the ones that have been successful have worked well with the farmers where they're going to be using the property themselves and then also bring the community itself in. Are there times when you've actually got to educate the co-ops along the lines of saying, look, if you want to raise some more funds, you are probably, and we can find you an investor that is interested, but they want a certain environmental social governance yardstick as well. Yes, yeah, there's a big role for us to play there and I think probably increasingly together with BCCM as well around education, education for cooperatives and basically being able to ensure that the way that they're deploying that capital, putting that capital to use is in alignment with that that underlying investor. So you might get an investor comes along and they might be, you know, again, a family office or an endowment fund but they're, they're very sophisticated, you know, the way they're set up, you know, how they have very stringent reporting requirements, they have very, you know, sophisticated uh, ways around basically deploying the capital, you know, there's a whole host of different things you have to adhere to. And so we, you know, see our role very much around the education space and working very closely with the cooperatives that, that go down that path. There would be times you're juggling because you've got the traditional shareholders, the actual farmers whose family's been involved in that co-op for multi-generations. Then you've got such things as fund managers and investors. They've got different aims, haven't they? They do. But again, that's the whole um, key, I think, in matching the capital and that's the role for us to play. So it's really education at both ends. Um, to ensure that you're bringing the right party to the table to to sort of invest in that underlying project and and the cooperative that that's you know getting involved in that, 
So usually if you're dealing with, for example, you know, a traditional fund manager, obviously their objective is very much around returns and yield. And yet what we're talking about more and more is going to, you know, private investors that are, you know, sophisticated like a fund manager, but they might have different um, in inverted commas, return objectives. And when I say that, I mean, you know, that there's objectives that are more closely sort of, you know, rather than just yield and percentage um, in terms of their return on capital, what they're actually looking for is is more community-based. They're looking for, you know, sort of things that they can report back to their board on on how they've been involved in the community, the environment, um, gains, for example, in carbon, for example, carbon farming initiatives. And so there's a whole host of different things that are not just, um, you know, financial. So it's called the triple bottom line in, in terms of the way that they invest and what they're looking for these days. Do you also find sometimes you've got a co-op that comes to you and says, look, we've got to raise some capital. This is the background of our co-op itself. And then you go to a fund manager and say, oh, by the way, have you thought about a co-op? And they suddenly go, no, we haven't. And hadn't even considered the returns that would be possible. Yeah, definitely. I mean, cooperatives are, I think, a relatively misunderstood sector more broadly, I think, particularly in financial services sectors and, and circles. You probably don't have all that many individuals who've been involved in cooperatives, um, either, you know, directly through families, etc. Our experience has been, you know, quite little understanding of how cooperatives actually function in terms of, you know, the value, the value of being a member, which isn't just a financial value. And so to you know, there is that big education piece as well around understanding for a, an end investor that um, there is just this, you know, community um, build. There's an enormous uh, value from being a, a cooperative and a cooperative member in terms of agricultural communities and what they give back. And would fund managers also see a benefit? We've seen the growth in paddock to plate and uh, there'd be the fund managers that would like to turn around and say, oh, look, by the way, we're involved with a dairy co-op or a horticulture co-op, or it still just comes down to the bottom line and making sure it's in the black and not in the red. Look, I think it's changing, Michael. I think, you know, had you asked me that question five years ago, um, I would have said, and I came out of a financial services background, I would have said it's it's far more about, uh, you know, yield and, and what what's the return on investment. And I think now what you have is um, much greater awareness that through wholesale investing, through being a, an active member of your superannuation fund, et cetera, that, that you can actually do good at the same time as generating a return for, you know, your super fund members, for example. So we're seeing a real change in the broader industry um, and I think a lot of the positive changes that are happening um, in, in private sector, but also, you know, for some of the largest public companies in Australia and globally, that pressure is coming from, from more aware investors and their underlying shareholders to, to say, you know, we expect there to be um, an ESG element in what you do, if not, you know, if not in everything you do. Equally, is there sometimes the nervousness amongst co-ops, particularly ones that have got over 100 years in operation where they look at the 
investors with a bit of a wary eye because they're coming in from a non-primary production background? That's definitely the case, yes. Um, I don't think there's, uh, you know, generally in between cooperatives and and fund managers and, and, and wholesale investors an enormous alignment of interest traditionally. So I think that's a real role that Syndex and our investment partners and, and you know, are, and BCCM are hoping to play more and more is to is to build the education, to build the awareness and to try to to bridge that gap more and more because what we are seeing at a overarching level, as I said, in the in the funds management space, equally in superannuation, um, family offices, et cetera, is a much, much greater push for, you know, doing good with your capital, doing good with money and 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 putting it into uh, sectors and areas that are actually generating um, a return that's not just a financial return. So that's where we see this kind of exciting opportunity for, you know, that helping to bring some of that institutional money into the cooperative sector, which has been built on those principles forever. You know, that's really the, the, in the genesis and the DNA of the cooperative sector. Kate Hargie has been my guest today. She's the Australian Country Manager for Syndex. And this has been part of the Meet the Farmer podcast with the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals, or BCCM. Kate, thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having us. Syndex's Kate Haig with Michael Kavanagh in the latest episode of BCCM's Meet the Co-op Farmer podcast series. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Meet the Co-op Farmers. If you'd like to know anything about setting up or running a successful agricultural cooperative, you can find out everything you need to know at the Co-op Farming website. That's www.coopfarming.coop. That's right, C-O-O-P for cooperative. Please share this with your mates. If you enjoyed this story, we really do want to get the great stories of farming cooperation out there. And remember, in a troubled world, with all of the challenges, but also the opportunities we have, we really are better together. I'm Melina Morrison, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Meet the Co-op Farmers. Listener.